Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be, it shall be given to you, even to the half of my kingdom. And Esther said, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I have prepared for the king. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine and after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I'll do as the king has said. And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor humbled nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home and sent and brought his friends and his wife Zeresh. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions with which the king had honored him and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther, let no one but me come with the king to the fish you prepared. And tomorrow also I'm invited by her together with the king. Yet all this is worth nothing to me, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends say to him, Let a gallows fifty cubits high be made, and in the morning tell the king to have Mordecai hung upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman, and he had the gallows made. All men are like grass. And their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers. The flowers fade. But the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we invite you. May you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Wise as serpents. Wise as serpents. Oh, Jesus told his disciples yes, that they should not be fooled in the world because he's sending them out as, as sheep amongst wolves. In other words, they are going to be defenseless. Sheep don't fight back. Do you know that? Sheep are stupid. They don't fight back. And foxes and wolves are clever animals. They are predators. And when they see sheep, they see food. 
And Jesus likens us to sheep in the world. But he has sent us into the world. Knowing that we are sheep. Sending us amongst wolves. And he knows that we are going to prosper. If we do things his way. And so he told his disciples be as clever as serpents wise as serpents and meek as doves when I send you out there. In other words words, the way that you operate in the earth the way that you operate in a hostile territory yes in enemy territory is by being wise. If you have wisdom, then you move amongst the wolves and you transact amongst the wolves and you fulfill your destiny amongst the wolves. And so that wisdom is key to our fulfilling God's purposes in the earth. And in actual fact, this passage that we have read reminds us that wisdom moves you from prophetic promise to manifestation. Wisdom moves you from prophetic promise to prophetic manifestation. Tell your neighbor this. Wisdom moves you from prophetic promise to prophetic manifestation. See, the problem is not the promises of God. The problem is not the things that God has said he will do for us. The problem is this gap here between the promise and the manifestation. Oh, you are, you are going to get married. Lovely wife, lovely husband. Yes. That's the promise. But the problem isn't the promise. The problem is you are stuck here. Between the promise and the manifestation of the promise. Oh, it's not, it's not that God can't heal. It's not that he hasn't promised to heal. No, no, no. no. The problem is right here before the healing comes. Ask your neighbor, are we together? So to move from the problem to the manifestation or to move from the promise to the manifestation it's wisdom that you require. Oh, let me put it this way. Let me bring it home. The the situation you are in today the one that you find yourself today for some of you the one that has brought you to church today thank Jesus for problems. You're here. You have a problem. Because you have a problem, you're here. 
the problem becomes here is what God can do. Here is where I need to get. I, I don't know how to transact. Here. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Right here is where the problem is. Tell your neighbor, right here is where the problem is. Right here. Right here. And so this passage shows us that there are some things that we need to know things we need to put into consideration to move from the prophetic promise to the manifestation of the promise. Number one, I want you to notice that there is the prophetic responsibility. Prophetic responsibility. Prophetic responsibility. Watch verse number five. I'm sorry, verse number one, chapter five. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace. Tell your neighbor the third day. Third day. I mean, you must, you must understand what's been going on in chapter number four. In fact, rewind all the way to chapter number three. To the place where Haman has been disrespected by Mordecai. Mordecai a Jew. Haman an Agagite meaning to say he's a descendant of King Agag of the Amalekites the Amalekites are the people that God had told Moses that you shall never fail to, to make war against this people because when you're moving from Egypt going into your promised land they stopped you in your destiny. Amalekites want to stop you in your destiny. Amalekites are scared that when you get into your destiny, you will, you will dispossess them of their destiny. Tell your neighbor, the world is a contested space. Tell them your job is contested space. Your place, your place as a student is contested space. Your business premises is a contested place. That minibus that you're using for, for, for business is contested space. Your destiny is contested space. And so there will be those that will try and stop you. And so the Amalekites were stopping the children of Israel from moving into the destiny God had for them. Later on in the history of Israel, God told Samuel, Go and make war with Agag. King of the Amalekites. And destroy everything. Saul failed. Saul failed. 
And there's been this enmity between the Amalekites and the Jews. Which somehow Haman knows. Which also Mordecai knows. In fact, Mordecai is described as the son of Kish. A descendant of Kish. Meaning to say he was directly related to Saul. And so when Mordecai does not bow down to Haman, the most powerful man in the kingdom, Haman says, Haman says, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill your people too. And then for 12 months, there are people that cast lots before Haman. Now if you're African, you know what that is about. That's not very scientific. It's very witchcraft stuff. And so Haman does his casting lots. He offers the king 10,000 talents. So that on a particular day, the following year, he can kill all the Jews. And the king says, here is my signet ring. Here is my authority. Haman hears that. It's like the whole of the kingdom is in disarray. Because all the Jews realize we are going to die. So Mordecai goes up to Esther and tells her, listen, don't think that you are going to escape because you're in the king's palace. And if you, if you don't stand up right now to go to the king and try and dissuade him that he shouldn't do this, you and your father's house will perish. But, but salvation will come for the Jews from somewhere. But then you don't know, Esther. You don't know Esther. Maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. When Esther hears that, she says, okay, okay, I get it. That this is my point of destiny. Do you know some people can miss their point of destiny? Some people can miss their point of destiny. The point, the place There are some things that can happen in your life that will move your life in one direction or the opposite direction. There are some moments in your life that are so pivotal that will shape and make you into a great person or they will break you into the worst person. Oh, please understand. There are seasons and times. Yes, there are kairoses to your life. And you need to be able to be aware that right now, this time, this is my hour of visitation. And so Esther wakes up and says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast for three days. I won't eat anything. I won't drink anything. 
me and the young virgins that are with me. The young virgins didn't have a choice. They just fasted because she said fast. And so we're going to fast for the next three days. And I'm going to, I'm going to go before the king. And if I perish, I perish. Wow. Powerful. I mean, she went Al-Qaeda on us. If I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. It doesn't matter. Because this thing is bigger than me. Here's a problem with a lot of people. They don't have anything they live for that is bigger than them. They don't have anything bigger than them that they live for. They are just living for their survival for themselves. Oh friend, you can never move into greatness like that. Greatness, greatness is not for people that are preserving themselves. Greatness is for people that will do things for other people. Ask your neighbor, who are you living for? Who are you living for? Oh, some of us. Even when we come to church, it's about us. I'm going to church so I can get blessed. I'm going there so I can do this, so I can do that, so I can do that. If you don't find any gain in it, you will not do it. You're going to miss God. Because what God is calling you to do is to leave your life behind. He says, whoever loses his life for my sake and for, and for the sake of the kingdom will find it. He who wants to keep his life will lose it. So Esther, Esther has gotten it. If I perish, I perish. And so we're now on the third day. On the third day, she has been praying. Or some of us need to wake up. The fact that you're praying to God does not absolve you from responsibility. There are things that you must do. There are things that only God can do. Don't confuse the things that you must do with the things that God does. And so she has prayed. And it's a, it's a, it's a third day. Will an angel come from heaven and then speak to this king? No, 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 no. Somebody needs to go there. Somebody needs to risk their life there. And so there she is. On the third day we're told. She put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace. She put on her royal robes. She was looking nice. She was looking beautiful. She was smelling like the queen. She was ready for this occasion. Should she have gone out there? Should she have gone out there with sackcloth and ashes? No, God is going to do his part. I'll do my part. God is going to work all this out. Nonsense. God does not work like that. Oh, I see some fools praying for money. Some fools praying for money. And all they do is pray for money. Can, can you start dropping some applications, please? Can you start knocking on doors? 
doors, please. I'm saying, here is my CV. I'm looking for a job. May you even dress the part when you're looking for that job. Oh, wake up. Tell your neighbor, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Oh, listen. Sometimes we're not moving forward because of our stupidity. We do not realize God does his part and we also do our part. And so she dresses up and she positions herself near the inner court. So, so that there is no mistake when the, when the king looks that side he knows that's Queen Esther there no mistake at all position in the right place oh God I want you to give me a wife and you have all those ten points you have I want her to be like this I want her to be like that I want her to be like that I want her to be like that Proverbs 31 woman all the things you have your holy state. And all you do is spend time at the mountain. How are you going to meet her? How are you going to meet him? You need to position yourself. You see, real faith. Tell your neighbor, free advice. Real faith realizes that if I truly believe, I should do as I believe. In fact, to believe is to live by. To believe is to live by. You can never say you believe and then you don't act like you believe. And so she stood there, positions herself in front of the king quarters while the, while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance of the palace friend listen you must get responsible it's not just about what God has promised what are you doing about what God has promised so you've been promised a big business by God but how do you wake up at 9 o'clock and do nothing and still expect that God is going to bless the work of your hands no 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 no, 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 no. if God has blessed you with a big business you better start acting like you own a big business you, you, you better start waking up in the morning you better start keeping yourself busy you better find people that also talk business ah, you better find people that are thinking along those lines it's your responsibility you better find the training for it if it means going to school go to school that's your prophetic responsibility number two I want you to watch the prophetic authority see prayer brings you into authority with God. Because when God says it, oh, no man can say no. When Jesus says yes, no man can say no. Of course, that song forgets the other part. 
that when Jesus says no, no man can say yes. I mean, you do realize Jesus says no, right? Oh, married people, come on. The one that you thought was the one. And you prayed. And it didn't work out. Now there's another one. You say, thank you Jesus for saying no. Because I, if I was with that person, I, I don't even know if I would have been here. So sometimes God says no. If God is God, He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's not dependent on you and your praise. Oh, sometimes we hear worship leaders. Just praise God. Praise God. He needs your praise. Which God? Which God? The God who needs my praise? He's got a stupid low self-esteem. I don't need him. Low self-esteem. Who waits on me to praise him? Oh, no, no, no. The God that we serve is God all by himself. He is independent. He doesn't need anything. So he can say yes. He can say no. Or he can say wait. And then when, he, when you wait, he can say no. Tell your neighbor, he is God. But watch what prayer does. It brings Esther into authority. Watch verse number two. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you, even to half of my kingdom. Watch, the favor of the king comes upon her on the third day she's fasting and praying. Now don't you think, oh but she was the queen. Not these kinds of kings. These kings kept a harem of women. And anyone that they wanted, they would bring into the house. And if you went to see the king before the king ordered you to come, if he didn't raise up his golden scepter, you are going to get killed. So this is a dangerous time. And yet watch. The favor of the king is upon her. Where, where did the favor come from? It came from God. It came from God. He's the one that softened his heart. One proverb says that the king's heart 
is like a river in the hand of God. And he moves it whichever way that he wants. Oh, friend, understand. You are seated in heavenly authority. In heavenly places. With Christ Jesus. Far above every principality. Every name that can be named. In this age and in the one to come. Listen, if you are in Christ, you are at the right hand of the Father. Which actually means you are at the right hand of authority and power. Oh, I tell you, it's in prayer. It's in prayer, it's in prayer that our authority comes down. That the favor of people comes upon us. Oh, do you know? It's not what you know. Sometimes it's who you know. Oh, you can have the same qualifications as somebody. They may even have less qualifications than you. And then somehow because of who they know, they'll be up there, you'll be down here. Oh, yes. oh that's the way it works. It even works like that with God. When you know God, when those that received him, he gave them the power to be the children of God. Children not born of flesh and blood or the will of the man. Children born of God by the Spirit of God. That's who we are. Believers, that's who we are. We are the children of God. And seated in on the right hand side of the Father with Jesus. And so favor comes our way. Oh, especially when we're doing something that God has told us that we should do. There is favor for it. There is favor for it. Oh, friend, listen. This is why you should try your best that you live according to what God has called you to be. Favor comes. When we left Mangoshi building, we left because they were charging us three times as much. And we basically said, listen, MHC is going to give us our land anytime now. So let's still find a location that's in town that, that is still central for everybody from all over the city. And we said, we're coming here for just about two months, three months, then we'll get our land. That land hasn't come. This is a year, two months actually. And do you know what? The amount we run away from is the amount we're paying here. And God has sustained us. God has sustained us. No, we have not doubled or quadrupled. We haven't. I think it's just God's plan to show us that, listen, I can do big things. And the kinds, the kinds of amounts that you're thinking of, I can now do them. You know the land that MHC is going to give us? They're saying two and a half hectares. It's about 75 million plus. Where is that going to come from? Oh God. 
Mulungu. God. Mulungu. God will do Mulungu it. God is going to Mulungu do it. God is going to prosper Mulungu people here. Hallelujah. I, I, I totally believe that. God is going to make millionaires in this place. And very soon, not very far away, very soon, he's going to make millionaires in this place and will pay for that land. And if there are any people thinking like Esther, who think, oh no, you know, we can do this, we can do this. God will bring salvation for the Jews from another place. And you and your house, you and your house will perish. That's Mordecai. We never should come at a point of saying we can never do this when God has sent us to do that. And so she has favor. Watch the response of the queen, of the king. And it says, in verse number three. I'm sorry, at verse number four. Verse number four. Mm-mm. Okay, verse number four, let me just read that. You were engaged verse number four. And Esther said, if it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I have prepared for the king. Then the king said, bring Haman quickly. So that we might do as, as, as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. Are you catching that? The king does not listen to anybody. He does not listen to anybody. No, this is not a democratically elected leader. He doesn't have to steal votes to be in power. He doesn't, he doesn't have to lie to people, I'm going to give you free fertilizer. Or I'm going to give you malata. Iron shits. He doesn't have to lie. All he does is he kills people and he becomes king. This, this guy does whatever he wants. Oh, but I tell you, he's under the power of prayer. He's under the power of a praying woman. Under the power of a praying woman. And so when he, when he hears what she says, he, he tells his people, quickly, 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 get Haman now, now, now. Let's do what Esther said. Where did that come from? Oh, it came from heaven. Oh, the person that you just saw, that Esther that you just saw, has been in the presence of God three days and three nights. She is reeking of authority from God. Oh, you can never put down a person with authority from God. You can never put down somebody that's in the power of prayer and fasting. You can never. You you will never, you can never. So she has authority. And when she speaks, even rulers and kingdoms listen. Oh, oh man, 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 man. Jesus tells his disciples, I have, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and nothing shall harm you. Ah. He tells Peter, when he gets the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Because see, Jesus had been asking his disciples, what do the people say? Oh, yeah. 
Some say you're Elijah. Some saying, oh, you're John the Baptizer. Oh, some are saying you're just a prophet. Okay, so guys, who do you say that I am? And then Peter with his big mouth. Big The more you say things, the, the more the likelihood you can get something right. Did you know that? The more you say things, the more the likelihood you may be right about something. The probability is higher. As opposed to somebody that's always keeping quiet. Somebody that's always keeping quiet will never say anything right because they won't say anything. So big mouth Peter stands up and says, Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. Wow, it just touches Jesus so much. He said, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah. Flesh, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my father who is in heaven. He says, you know what? From now onwards, uh, you are Peter. You are a small rock. And on, and on this rock, I will build my church. What rock? What rock? The rock of the revelation that Jesus is Christ. And Here's a powerful thing he said. Here's a powerful thing. He says, I'll give you the keys of heaven. Of the kingdom of heaven. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. In other words, listen, I used to think there that we are competing with the gates of hell. And so we're going to go higher. And they go higher. No, no. It means the gates of hell will not withstand you. Because you're going to move in authority. You're going to move in power. Believer in Jesus Christ. You have authority. You have power. If you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you say to this mountain, be removed into the sea, and it shall move. Oh, you have mountains, my friend. You, are, you have mountains. Tell your neighbor you have mountains. In, tell them, in case you have forgotten, you have mountains. Mm. How do they move? How do your mountains move? By the authority of God, by your being in His presence, by you being in prayer, by you dedicating yourself to Him, that's how it's going to move. That's your prophetic authority. It's a prophetic authority. It's an authority that has come to you based on the prophecies made about you which are in accordance to your destiny. Church, listen. If anything, please. Let, let this series lead you to a place of a closer walk with Jesus. Of more prayer, deeper prayer. Because that's the source of your authority. Look, this nonsense of running from one prophet to another prophet, one apostle to another pastor. 
It's not of God. It's not of God. God expects you to walk in your authority. To stand in your authority. Now, are prophets and apostles useless? No. But you won't get it from a man. You won't get it from a woman. You get it from the presence of God. Kingdom responsibility. Tell your neighbor, kingdom responsibility. Tell them number two, kingdom authority. Prophetic, yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Prophetic authority. Number three, prophetic timing. Verse number six. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, what is your wish? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is, if I, have, if I have found favor in the sight of the king and if it please the king to grant my wish and, and fulfill my request let the king and Haman come to the feast that I prepare for them and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. Now I want you to watch the diplomacy here. In as much as Esther has the authority, in as much as she has prayed, and she knows that this is working out exactly the way God wants it to work out. Even as she understands her authority, she is still respectful. She is still diplomatic. Because she knows that there are protocols that ought to be followed. Have you seen some people just because they feel the anointing and they have the anointing they just feel like they should just bulldoze over everything. No, God. God wants things done in an orderly manner. And in fact, God is more interested in the way we do things than what we do. He's more interested in our character than the results. The devil is the one that is about the results. Because you see, if you're just looking out for results, you can go to a witch doctor to a singer, and they'll still give you a child. Because all you're saying is, well, I want a child. And you're sure you can go there and they'll give you a child. Is that the way of God? It's not. Why? Because it's not about the child. It's about character and trusting in him. Hallelujah. Amen. And so here you see her being diplomatic. Sure, the king has said, listen, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. That was, that was not literal, by the way. It was just to say, I'll give you within reasonable stuff, I'll give you what you want. 
Kazo nako za kumpasa diteka la ufumu kunali kunena kutai Remember King Herod? And his daughter who was doing her dance at the party. Remember? Herod has this party. DJ is blasting away. And then his daughter comes along and does some moves. And he's like, whoa, where did that come from? And he says the very same thing. Ask whatever you want. I'll give you up to half my kingdom. That's when she said, listen. Mommy says she wants the head of John the baptizer. So this wasn't literal. But I want you to watch it. She has invited the king and Haman to a feast. They are at the feast. He actually, the king actually asks her, what is it that you want? What does she say? No, I want to invite you to another feast. Some fool would have said, there you have him. Tell him, no, 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 no. I there is a sensitivity in the spirit. There is a sensitivity in the spirit that understands that the time is not now. Oh, there was another gentleman with another king, the very same city of Susa, called Nehemiah, who, who, who had a burden to go and build a wall around Jerusalem. When he heard that Jerusalem was lying in ruins, his heart was broken. He fasted and he prayed. He interceded for Israel. And then he just shut up. This man was Kabera to the king. A trusted confidante of the king. But he didn't take it upon himself. I see the king daily. I give him food. I listen to all his lousy jokes. I know him in and out. And so I can just tell him whatever I want to. No. He waits. And then one day, when the king sees, sees that his face is sad, he asks him, Nehemiah, what's up, dude? He actually said, dude, you should check it out of the Bible. What's up? What's going on? And then he starts elaborating. He knew his time has come. See, Esther understands this is not the time. This is not the time that I should say this. Oh, excuse me. But isn't this the third day? You've been fasting for three days so that you can come before the king and ask him that question. Now you have the king. This is the third day. Why don't you ask him now? See, God's timing is the best timing. Don't let the devil push you. Do not let the devil push you. See, go ahead. The devil is about pushing. Eh? Actually, the devil 
can never stop you to move into your destiny. What he can actually do is disrupt you on your way to destiny. So Jesus, 40 days in the desert, day and night he's fasting. Guess who sent him out there? We're told it's the Holy Spirit. After 40 days and 40 nights after he's all pumped up in the spirit, right? That's when the devil shows up to tempt him. Oh, he's waiting for you to do, you know, to get all pumped up in the gym. You, know? you ready? You ready? You ready? That's what I'm coming. And so he comes. And guess what's his tactic? He says, "Listen, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Angels will catch you." And then the last one, the most important one, for us right now, he says, listen, see all these kingdoms? The authority has been given to me. Just worship me right now. In other words, you, are gonna, you want to be the king of the world. You came to save the world. You, you came to bring your authority, your kingdom in the world. Here's what you should do. Just bow down before me. You don't even have to go to the cross. You don't even have to wait until you come back a second time to take these kingdoms. You can take them now. See, that's what the enemy usually does. He wants to push us to a point of desperation so that we get that thing on his terms. See, if Jesus is going to worship Satan, then he's forgotten what it's all about. If Jesus thinks it's just about the kingdom and not how, and not how he gets to the kingdom, he's Amen. You see, many of us are thinking it's just the money. God said he's going to bless me with big business, with great contacts. Okay? So here's this person that's asking me that I should give him 500,000 kwacha and he'll give us the 20 billion kwacha deal. And this is it. Because you see, this is a very corrupt nation. And you can never get anything done properly. So when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. Problem is, that's not a Bible verse, right? When you're in Rome, do as the Romans do is not in the and so what do you do? You do as the Romans do. And you get your money. And you come out here. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus has blessed me. We have money for the land. Nonsense. That we don't want shortcut money here. We want real money from God. Oh he pushes us like that. You know? So that we step out of our time. Tell your neighbor, be patient. Be patient. God is never too late. He's never too early. In his appointed time, he will bring it to pass. Tell them he has a kairos for you. His appointed season for you. He will make it happen in his time. Don't be shifted, brethren. 
Even if you have to die of hunger, better you die of hunger in God's will rather than live as a king you are in Satan's will. Ask your neighbor, what time is this for you? What season is this for you? Prophetic responsibility. Dindo. Prophetic authority. Ulamurilo. Uh, prophetic timing. Manson Tawi Yoenera. And then finally prophetic vigilance. Umanso Kurimbika. Please don't think that because it's the third day. Haman has stopped plotting. <laughs> oh, don't you think? Just because you have prayed and you have seen some breakthroughs and you are making progress and then you should relax. Don't relax. Tell your neighbor, don't relax. So watch verse number 8 there. Is it verse number 9? And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Watch this. Watch this. The enemy is angry. Mordecai is angry. Yes, uh, Haman is angry. I want you to watch this. When we see Haman in the Old Testament, the enemy of the people of God, when you come into the New Testament, the enemy of the people of God is Satan. That's the enemy of the people of God. May I say this please? The boss is not your enemy. The, the, the neighbor that hates you is not your enemy. No, that's not your enemy. They may be used by the enemy, but they're not your enemy. Hallelujah. Amen. Because we don't want to be doing back to center things with people. Hallelujah. Amen. Imagine if they had prayed back to center for Paul. Apostle Paul, the one who wrote half the New Testament, if they pray back to send it to him, I mean, what would have happened? We would, we, I don't know, maybe we wouldn't have had half the Bible, man. Right? So here, please, when we're talking about Haman, we're not talking about a physical person, per se, for us. We're talking about the enemy. We're talking about Satan. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. That's who we're fighting against But understand, he is angry. So Haman looks at Mordecai because as far as Mordecai is concerned, I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm Malachite. I'm Malachite like you. You think I should bow down to you? You think I should bow down to you, a Malachite like you? You wanted to, to dispossess my people from our destiny. Some people may respect you, I do not respect you. I will not bow down to you. Because if I bow down to you, it means that I'm disrespecting my God. 
And so I would rather die than bow down to you. You do realize Mordecai could have run back to Haman and said, please, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This thing is between you and me. Why do you have to kill everybody? I'm sorry, boss, please forgive me, boss, please forgive me. No. Not Mordecai. He knows who he is. And he knows who he'll bow down to. And he knows even if he has to get killed, he is not going to bow down. And so Haman sees that. And Haman sees this man doesn't tremble before me. Some people will bow down. Some people will tremble. Never Haman. I mean never Mordecai. And so that makes Haman angry. Have you ever thought about it? That the enemy is mad at you. Your faithfulness. You're showing that you don't fear him. Where everybody else is scared of an amapopa. Chicken in the boats. Scared of witchcraft. And you tell them, no, I'm not scared of witchcraft. In fact, let me say this, I'm not scared of witchcraft. Bring your best to my house tonight, 12 midnight. <laughs> you see the fire come upon you. So whereas other people when they are told you know some people shaking their boots like that eh? you don't know who that is that man in our village that uncle in our village you you don't say anything against him when he says to you we'll see if you're going to reach tomorrow people die Mm, I stopped going to my village because of my uncle. Ah, stupid fool. Go to your village. Share the gospel with your uncle. Tell him about Jesus. That there are better things than flying at night. Tell them. Hey, we're in Africa, you know, eh? Where there are technologies that are not scientific. Technologies that are not scientific. That defy all logic. Because these people say they can go to any place in the night. And when there's a drought, their children die of, of, of hunger. And yet they can go and, and play at Admark. And NFRA, where they have the maize silos, they can go and play Stupid. In Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, stupid, isn't it? I mean, you say you go and play with, with all these things and your kids are dying of hunger? Get an education, you know? But watch this. Haman is angry. Haman is angry. The enemy is angry. See, some, some of us, we just think it's me and Jesus. Hallelujah. Why are things not working out for me? 
God, what you doing? Excuse me. Excuse me. It's not just you and God. There are other forces. There's the prince of the power of the air who rules this world under whom all of us are, are, we, we move. And so you should not just think that it's just you and God. There is the prince of the power here. And so if you don't factor Haman in, you'll be disappointed. Oh, why is it that God has allowed that this thing shouldn't work out for me? Oh, well, let's not start blaming God. What have you done with Haman? Have you tried to to uh, disempower Haman? To neutralize him? How can you go into a strong man's house and get his goods, says Jesus, unless you first tie him? The goods that you want, the destiny that you want to move into, it's in the hands of the strong man. You must bind the strong man. And then you can move into your inheritance. And he's an angry strong man. Because you won't bow down. Because you're all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you are at the, at the village or in your family gathering and then they tell you that, listen, all of us are going to cut our hair because of this person that has died. And you say, no, I'm a believer. You are standing up to Haman. When they tell you, no, everybody in this office takes a bribe. So it doesn't matter whether you went out to the field or not. Everybody in this office is going to get an allowance for a field trip they never went to. And then you say, no. No, 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 I don't do that. You are standing up to Haman. And Haman won't let you go just just like that. Amen. Amen. So watch what Haman does. And I think here Haman is cleverer than the children of God Watch verse number 10. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home and sent and brought his friends and his wife Zeresh. In other words, Haman could have right there said, kill that Negro, sorry. Kill, kill Mordecai. Kill Mordecai. But he restrained himself. He says, I'm going to get him the way I want to get him. And I'm going to plan and plot. Because these Jews I will kill. But this one, I'll kill especially. Do you know the enemy hates you? Especially when you're standing for righteousness. The enemy hates you. Because you're proving to the enemy he's not worth that. That you can prosper without you bribing anybody. That you can prosper and get promoted 
without you sleeping with anybody. When the whole system is telling you, if you want to go to the next level, sister, you better sleep with that guy. If you want your career to progress, you better sleep with some boss. And you're saying, no, I do not do that. What do you think? Your friends that have gone that way will think about you. And so you think you're special. And so he decides, I'm not going to deal with you now. I'm saving you for something big. He calls his friends. Calls his wife. Watch what he says and what he does. Verse number 11. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches. The number of his sons. All the promotions with which the king had honored him. And how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Now please understand Haman. Haman is mad. Mordecai won't bow down to him. What do you think the people around Haman are saying? Everybody else bows down. When it comes to Mordecai, he doesn't bow down. The boss is scared of Mordecai. He's scared of Mordecai. Because why is it that he's letting Mordecai live? So already on Haman, there is pressure that his image of this great man is being shattered by Mordecai. So there's anguish of heart in him. What does Haman do? One, he calls his friends. So he starts recalling he starts recalling the things that have the good things that have happened to him. He starts talking about his sons. His money. The promotions that he has had. The fact that Queen Esther chose him and the king alone to dine with him. To dine with her. Do you know, children of God, that is the thing you must do when things are not working out. You look back at how God has been good to you. Hey, you know, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have been in school. You know, if it wasn't for God, I really would have died. Because in standard 7, when I was coming out of that bus, I didn't see there was a car coming behind me. That car hit me, took me some, some 8 meters away, landed at our house, and I had a satchel bag. And I landed on my satchel bag. All I had was a dull pen on my thigh. I should have died. I'm sure you have experiences like those. You should have died. A bus that you should have got into, you never got into, it got into an accident, people died. Isn't it? Oh, I mean, look at you. 
Look at you, look at you. Oh, even if you have a mirror, you can bring it out. Look at you. Look at who you are today. Look at six years ago. Look at 20 years ago. Oh, God has been good to you. Oh, listen, Haman understands. If I'm going to encourage myself, I really need to look at the good things that have happened to me. Oh, may you learn to encourage yourself. May you learn to encourage yourself. Listen, there will come a time we won't be there. You know we get busy too. You know we also have our issues too. And it may be in the middle of the night. Nobody's going to answer your call, man. And then you just want somebody to encourage you. Listen, encourage yourself in the Lord. Remember what God has done for you. Remember how he has saved your life. Remember how he has given you that money. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming God. Start praising God. Praise Him for the things that He has done. I mean, for you to even have that lousy attitude before God is because God has given you life. If you were dead, would you have been angry at God? I mean, it's all grace. Come on. So this guy understands. I should look back at my achievements. What has happened to me? I should bring my friends and my wife together to encourage me. See, that's the other thing. Many of us are Johnny Rambo Christians. Michael Christians. We are a one-man band. How can you encourage yourself one You can't. And that's not the way we are designed. We are members of one body. We are different parts of the very same body. We are meant to encourage each other. That's why we say, let's meet up on Wednesday or Tuesday at the cell meeting. So that there you can pour out your heart. Oh, come on. Sometimes you just need somebody to talk to, isn't it? Not that they will solve your problems. But you just want somebody to listen to you. That's what our home cells are about. Where we share our Where we encourage each other. Where somebody can tell you. Oh listen, don't worry about that sister. I've also been heartbroken. Maybe mine was worse than yours. You know sometimes you can get encouraged because somebody was in a worse situation than you. I mean when you're in real trouble. Mm. When you're in real trouble, when somebody tells you greater troubles than yours, you say, hey, thank you, Jesus. At least it turns you the right way, isn't it? Listen, to be vigilant against the enemy, you can't do it by yourself. Tell your neighbor, you can't do it by yourself. Tell them, you need me. Hallelujah. Amen. So he's bragged and he has boasted and he sees how special he is. 
Okay, listen. The devil doesn't want you to know you are special. In fact, the thing he attacks first is your being special. So he, he takes that away. Look at Haman. He says, listen, only me and the king have been invited to Queen Esther's feast. What does that mean? Means I'm special. I'm special. For oh, Christian, please. You are special. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God cares so much for you that he knows all the hairs on you. Yes, even you that have got lots of hair, he knows. He cares for you. And friend, listen. In a crisis, may you not lose sight of the fact that God loves you. Oh, you, you are very special. You are one in eight million. Oh, literally, one, one in eight million or one in six million. Somewhere there. Oh, here's what biologists tell us. That in one male ejaculation, there's about six billion or something of, 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 the, of the zygotes. That's what they call, right? Yes. Six, million. six million. Only one makes it. Only one made it. Only one made it. Or maybe two if you have a, a twin. But only one made it, and that's you. Look, you're coming here. You're being here. In a sense, it's a logical impossibility. Six million, one. Oh, you are special, my friend. You are special, my friend. You are special. Some of you, diseases could have killed you before you're five years old. Go ask your mama. Go ask your mama. They'll tell you, when you were six months old, we thought we would lose you. We'll have lost you. When you were such, such years old, we thought you were gone. I have a dimple here. I have a dimple here. A dimple, like, well, I don't know. And my mother told me that when I was a kid, I had pneumonia. When I was a baby, I had pneumonia. And so they couldn't inject me on my butt because that's such a little thing. So they were injecting me here too. Oh, I'm a survivor, man. I just didn't show up here. I just didn't show up here. Survivor. And I'm not the only one. There are survivors here. And that's what you need to remember. That when the enemy comes against you, sicknesses have failed you. Accidents have failed you. They could have killed you, they never killed you. And here you are, standing. Because friend, if you don't do that, Oh, that devil will flow you. Oh, we'll take you down. In fact, he doesn't even have to take you down. You will take yourself down. Uh, who am I? Oh, what can I do? Have you seen the house I live in? I only have one pair of shoes. My mother doesn't even like me. The devil doesn't have to do anything with you. You, you already are in his kingdom. And now he can just be playing with you. You get it? 
He will start playing with you. But when you know who you are. And that's what Haman is doing. That's what Haman is doing. He's pumping himself up. Because he knows there's battle coming. And he's better be ready. And here's what he says. Verse number 13. Yet all this is worth nothing to me. So long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. So why was he sitting at the king's gate? He had been promoted. And so he was one of the rulers in the city council. To sit at the gate was to be one of the rulers at the gate. And so as long as I see Mordecai sitting at the gate, I want to bring him down. I want to bring him down. And then his wife says, listen, Verse number 14. Some of these wives are useful. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends say to him, Let a gallows 50 cubits high be made. And in the morning tell the king to have Mordecai hung upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman. And he had the gallows made. Remember he was angry. Now she has given an idea. He's like yes. I think that's going to do it. I want you to watch though. I want you to watch. The enemy is vengeful. He is very vengeful. He is seeing where you are right now. And seeing what you're doing for the kingdom of God. And he's saying, no, I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to bring you down. Please wake up to this fact. That the enemy is not happy with you. He is not happy with you. He wants to bring you down. Listen. How would you live your life? Or how would you spend your night? If you knew that right outside your house. You are surrounded with men with guns that want to kill you. I mean wouldn't there be some vigilance on your part? Oh sure you pray to God. Sure he's protecting you. But there will still be that thing that says listen. If somehow somebody breaks through the door. And comes into here. Uh, I'm not going to pray for them. You know there are times not to pray for people, right? <laughs> you know there are times not to pray for people. When somebody's coming with a knife and aiming it at the throat, that's not the time to pray for them. Unless you're praying for them that they shouldn't die when you beat them up. But, but that's not really the time to, to pray for them. It's the time to protect yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? And so then, here is the understanding that you are surrounded. You 
are surrounded, my friend. The problems that you're going through, they are not just physical problems, natural problems. Some of them are supernatural problems. They are spiritual problems. You have been surrounded. The enemy has ganged up against you. If you're not going to be vigilant, if you're not going to wake up and say, let me do my part, oh, the enemy will swallow you whole. Oh, that angel announces in Revelation chapter number 12. Woe unto you, the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has been cast down to you, having great wrath. Because he knows he has but a short time. Oh, we know that, isn't it? That verse. He knows he has a short time. And he knows when you start doing what God has called you to do, that time gets even shorter. When the church does what God has called her to do, that time becomes even shorter. So what do you think the enemy is going to do? Oh, he will attack. You. He will attack us. But here's the key. We're told, but they defeated him. With the word of their testimony. And the blood of the Lamb. Uh, the word of their testimony, the blood of the Lamb, what else? The word of their testimony, the blood of the Lamb. And... They did not love their lives unto the death. Isn't it? Do you know that's how we defeat? Come on. The way we defeat is in death. Pastor, what are you talking about? I don't want to die. How did Jesus defeat the enemy? Death. Death. Does it mean we should crucify ourselves? No. We come at a point where we do not love ourselves to the death. Where our purpose is to do his purpose. Where we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and we know all these things will be added unto us. Oh, here's the truth of the matter, my friend. You can enjoy life here and despise God. When God comes back, he will despise you and you will despise life. That's the way it works for us. We are here as witnesses. We are here as those that take the gospel to the ends of the world. The reason he prospers you and some of you, he will prosper you beyond your imagination. It's so that we can do his work. That's why he prospers us. Tell your neighbor, don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. It's about him. It's about him. See, so to move from the promise to come to the manifestation it's not an automatic process it's not an automatic process to move from there 
to come to here to move from what God has promised you to manifest what God has promised you there is a process here it's a process of the prophetic your prophetic responsibility your prophetic authority your prophetic timing and your prophetic vigilance what are those things that God has promised you what is the destiny that he has for you are you vigilant in prayer standing on those promises saying those things out amen declaring those things upon your life God, you have said that I am so and so. You have said you've called me into such such a thing. I want to thank you. I pray today, Father. May you open doors that are consistent with my calling. You see, that shows that you are serious about what God has said about you. And I assure you, faith comes by hearing. By hearing the word of God. When you go into that word of God, faith will come into your life. The word of God will transform you. You start seeing your reality according to what God has said. And when that happens, then you can start calling those things that God has said about you and saying them over you. Because if God has said them about you, they must be true. But if you will not stand on his word and claim his promises and speak his promises into your life, friends, heavens won't open for you. Because for you to move into the destiny God has for you, heaven must open. Heaven must open. Because the destiny of God is not something that I can do by myself or something you can do by yourself. It takes God. And so it means you and I, it means you and I need to live lives where we invite the presence of God. When that happens, we will see God taking us from one level to the Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.